you so much for being in Bible study tonight. You can be seated. And it's just such a joy and privilege, isn't it, to be in the house of the Lord? On a Wednesday night, we are just blessed to come together and study the Word of God together. Um, I just want to say that these last few Wednesday nights have been such, I mean, they've just been wonderful. And I've just been so enjoying them, as I'm sure all of you have been. Everybody's been doing such a great job. And um, I just want to say a big thank you to all of you that have been involved up here teaching. And thank you so much. I know it's no small matter to get up here and teach a lesson or talk. <laughs> Maybe that's just from my perspective. But anyway, thank you to all that, that have taught lessons. You, you all are so amazing. And um, I don't know about you, but I've been feeling a little challenged and just like convicted. Lord, I want that beautiful fruit of the Spirit tree to be growing beautifully in my life. You feel been feeling that way? The Word of God always challenges us, doesn't it? Love the Word. Now, I just have to stop here briefly before I kind of get into our lesson tonight. Um, something just kind of a little silly, a little funny, just, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit of um, breaking the ice, maybe just for me. <laughs> but anyway... Um, I don't know, when, uh, for, uh, for any of you that really know me very well, you know that this is not my comfort zone up here. You know that all too well. And it's not something that I seek out to be up here for sure. But when your pastor asks you, then, I mean, it's just like almost like the Lord himself asking, right? It's like, how do you say no? So that was my predicament not too long ago. And, um, you know, I, I thought I was handling it quite well, um, you know, just kind of studying away. But, you know, when there were different nights when I would lay my head on the pillow and I'd be like, oh, there's just four weeks, just three weeks away and I got to speak, two weeks, one week. And, you know, any of you that, yeah, you kind of know what I'm talking about, any of you that just kind of get angst out a little bit about whatever. So I guess when you, whatever you go to sleep thinking about at night, um, sometimes will reflect in your dreams. <laughs> I don't know, I, I've heard that they call them anxiety dreams. I don't know, I'm not even prone to anxiety dreams. I'm not even prone to anxiety. I just kind of ride with the waves, whatever. But I'm telling you what, in the last little while, I've had a couple of crazy, wild and woolly dreams <laughs> that I would call anxiety dreams. I'm just going to share one of them with you. Um, I hear you laughing back there, Wendy. <laughs> I, my husband and I were, I found myself in my dream that uh, my husband and I were in Maryville, Tennessee. And we had driven there because our black van was there. And it was a Sunday morning. Um, we were staying in a hotel. But I found myself leaving the hotel really early, hopping in the van and going to the church really early, the Maryville church. Um, just a great church with Sister Carpenter pastor there. And I got there, and I got inside the door, and I, I just, I, I couldn't believe it. it. It was so different. I've been there. It's a beautiful church. And, but inside the door, it was like, it was like a crazy maze. It was just hallways going every which way. And I thought, how am I ever going to find my way into this church? And then off in the distance, I saw Brother Carpenter. And he was heading, you know, the other direction, and he didn't see me. And it was a good thing because I was still in my house coat in my dream. But yet I needed to go to the church. But So I just followed him along. He didn't see me. Saw a couple other people in the distance, but they didn't see me. So 
I was just relieved that I found my way in. And then before, you, before I knew it, I, I was thinking, oh my goodness, the time. There's a few more people coming to church. Church is going to be starting. i got to get out of here. My husband's at the hotel. He doesn't even know where I am, and he's going to be wondering. Plus, i got to get ready for church. I'm in my house coat. So I thought, okay, i got to go. But I don't know how to find my way out of here. It's a maze. <laughs> so I was just panicking, and then I woke up. <laughs> don't you love it when you wake up from those crazy dreams? But I don't know. I, I, attribute it, I, tr I attribute that a little bit to maybe, I don't know, this tonight. Um, I, I feel like my inner soul was not handling it well, even though I thought I was. But anyway, you know what? I'm just casting off all anxiety tonight. I'm going to have a good time teaching the Word of God tonight, and I know you're going to help, and you're going to have a good time, too. We're all going to have a good time delving into the Word of the Lord tonight. Um, so tonight, we're going to be taking a closer look at this beautiful thing called meekness. It's number eight of the nine fruits of the Spirit. Meekness has always been um, a little intriguing to me, actually, and out of all the nine fruits of the Spirit, it's one of the ones that I always felt like I didn't really have a good handle on. Like, what is meekness really all about anyway? And so it's kind of interesting that this is my assignment to talk about meekness. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of the word meek or meekness. Many people would say, and especially those that don't have a biblical knowledge of meekness, they would say that a person who is meek is probably someone who is kind of timid, non-assertive, a little trepidatious, overly compliant, and even some would say weak. You know, you've heard the phrase meekness means weakness. But according to the Bible's definition, nothing could be further from the truth. Meekness is truly the opposite of all of that, and we're going to learn that in contrast, it takes great strength to be meek. It takes great strength to be meek. Society in general no longer seeks to be meek. They don't think of it as a beautiful virtue that one should aspire to. In fact, if you think about it, you don't even really hear people talking about meekness much, especially in, in secular circles. And yet in scripture after scripture after scripture, we are admonished to put on meekness to be showing all meekness, to adorn ourselves with meekness. And Paul told us in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and of course that's been our main text for this whole series. Um, you can put it up on the screens if you like, guys. Um, and, and Paul told us that if we have the Spirit of God living in us, and if we are allowing his spirit to do its work in us, then we should see fruits growing in our lives, and one of them being meekness. The King James calls this fruit of the spirit meekness. But in a lot of the new modern translations, they call it gentleness. The New Testament, as we know, was originally written in the Greek language, and so the word meekness comes from the Greek word praus, P-R-A-O-S, which is translated into three different English words, 
meekness, gentleness, and humility. And that's why you get all of those different words in different translations. The meaning of this word praus is a disposition that is even-tempered, mild, tranquil, unpretentious, and has its passions under control. And to give, a, give us even further definition of praus, I even looked up the pronunciation on that in case you think I'm pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> to give us further definition, the enhanced Strong's lexicon, just it's like a Bible commentary, adds this. Meekness toward God is that disposition of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing and without resisting. The meek are those wholly relying on God rather than their own strength to defend them against injustice or wrong. Meekness is the opposite to self-assertiveness and self-interest. The meek person is not occupied with self at all. I'm feeling convicted already. <laughs> this is a work of the Holy Spirit, not of the human will. And to that last line, I will add a hearty amen because it has to be a work, a working of the Spirit in our lives because we are not naturally prone to any of that that I just described. Meekness, nor any of the other fruits, none of them come naturally to us. It's only as we walk closer to him and allow his spirit to work in us and his word to keep working in us that we will see these fruits develop like they should and become beautiful in our lives. Truly a work of the spirit. Now, as I mentioned earlier, meekness actually takes great strength. In fact, if you or I truly have meekness, we will be exhibiting power under control. And we're going to expound on that just a little. The Greeks also use this word praus. This is very interesting to me. To describe a wild animal that had been tamed for service. This was very intriguing to me, so I stopped to just kind of study a little bit more on this and dig a little deeper on this point. And I found that it was really something that kind of just helped me to more fully understand what meekness was all about. So yeah, the process of taking a wild animal and taming it and training it for service is what the Greeks called praus. I also discovered that the old English word for training a horse was meeking. Meeking. I had never heard of that before. Have you ever heard, anyone here ever heard of meeking a horse? I don't think there's anyone here. I had no, oh yeah, somebody? Okay, well, oh of course, you guys have horses, wow. <laughs> so it's a thing, I guess, huh? Like it's, I was just kind of blown away when I got studying it and looking into it. It was just amazing to me. Before a wild horse's power and strength could be used, it had to be meat. And it would involve a patient and dedicated trainer that would come alongside and spend hours and hours working with and trying to tame these horses, these wild stallions. And these animals had so much strength and energy and literally horsepower, but until it was harnessed and reined in, 
Until those horses were meat, their power was basically unusable. And it's also interesting to note here that in all of the process of these horses being meat, none of its former strength or speed or strong spirit was diminished after the meeking process. But instead, the meeking process just brought all of that under the control of its trainer, its master. And only then could it be used to its full potential. Eventually, the trainers would introduce a bit and a bridle and some reins that all served to harness these horses so that their power could be used. Meeked horses gained great poise and stateliness and dignity. Their power was under control. The meeking process made them usable, and their literal horsepower became so very valuable. And as we know, for centuries gone by, the horse has always been used for work and for transportation and for war. But always they had to be meeked. They had to have their power brought under control. It's very interesting that in Jeremiah 2, the Lord actually became very frustrated with his people and compared them to a wild donkey and a camel that were stubbornly off doing their own thing. And then also in Psalms 32 and 9, we are told to not be like the horse or the mule. One translation says, don't be like the ornery horse or the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be harnessed with bit and bridle before anyone can get near them. And I'm sure you kind of maybe know where we're going with this. Before we had the Lord in our lives, we were truly like those wild stallions, those bucking broncos that needed tamed by the power of the Lord and the power of the gospel, right? We were. And even after we are saved, we know all too well that we still contend with this carnal nature. I would like to say this wild horse inside of us <laughs> that we have to constantly and continually keep under subjection with the help of the Lord. And that's where meekness comes in. The Lord's meekness in our lives will do wonderful things. It will tame the temper. It will subdue the assertive self. It will manage the impulses of a sometimes crazy heart. Yeah, ladies, even in shopping malls, those impulses. <laughs> it will calm unruly passions, and it will bring order to chaos that sometimes tries to invade our lives. Meekness says no to oneself. It says, you are going to be brought under the control of the Lord's spirit. You are going to be submitted to his word and to his will. That is meekness. Meekness will stop you in your tracks. When you would kind of like to just set someone straight <laughs> with what they might need to hear from you, mm -hmm. what do they call that, giving them an earful? It will rein you in before you utter harsh words or display that edge. You know what I'm talking about, that we can sometimes be prone to when we are a little annoyed. 
It will give you a yank when you want to fuss and grumble and complain and maybe even whine a little over all your frustrations. And you know, it will even give you a slap on the side of the saddle to slow you down and make you drive more calmly and in a safer manner, maybe even sparing you an accident. And I don't know where that came from, but I was typing away and it was just downloaded into my spirit and I kept it in my notes. <laughs> That's good for somebody or may maybe many of somebody. Meekness will remind you over and over again that you are under new management now and you need to walk circumspectly in all areas of your life. So what do you think? Do you think meekness still sounds like weakness? No, it's not for the weak or the timid or the faint of heart. And, you know, I was going through my notes today, and I thought, well, maybe it is, actually, because it will take great discipline and strength and the help of God's Spirit to be meek. Meekness is the power of your potential under God's control. That is in your notes, kind of sums up just that little bit what we've been talking about. Meekness is the power of your potential under God's control. And without it, we'll never be all that God wants us to be. Okay, so we're going to talk about five different areas of our lives that will be affected if meekness is prevalent. If you have meekness, these five areas of your life will be affected. We're going to see what meekness looks like in our everyday lives. And we're lining it up with the acronym POWER, just reinforcing that meekness is power under control. The power of our potential under God's control. So the first area of our lives that meekness will affect is our personality. Our personality and as we know, we all have such different personalities, such varying personality traits, some good, some not so good, and I'm talking in every individual, some good, some not so good. Natural born tendencies, but no matter what our temperament, no matter what our personality, we all have to be tempered by his spirit. That is, if we want to live victorious Christian lives. And one thing for sure, we can never use the excuse with God, well, Lord, you know, this meekness thing, like that's just not my personality at all. Like I'm really doing quite well, Lord, you know, four or five, six of the others, but this meekness thing, do you suppose, God, that you could just give me an exemption on this one? Because it's just so not me. But we know no exemptions not at all. Meekness, along with the other fruits of the Spirit, are all things that the Lord expects to see growing in our lives. It's the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. It's one package deal. And when we, we, when we receive His Spirit and His Spirit works in our hearts, then all of these fruits, fruits should start growing. Now, I will say that maybe some of them We'll be struggling a little bit more, but they should all be there, the fruit of the Spirit. But you know, I just say, just yield to it. Yield to God's working in your life because you will just be made better for it. 
And I know that, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe you'll feel a little bit of cranking and twisting and snipping and cutting and pruning as the Lord just kind of works on you, trying to get all of those fruits growing in your life beautifully. But hey, just yield to it and just let the Lord do his work in your life so that your fruit of the spirit tree will be beautiful. The Lord can make us beautiful. Yes. You want to be beautiful unto the Lord? Yes. <laughs> um, make people are people who allow their personalities to be under God's control. Lord, you are holding the reins in my life. Yes, Lord. So, you know, when he's holding the reins, we just can't flippantly react or spout off with our natural tendencies anymore now that we are Christians. We must be submitted to the reins of his spirit. And when he says, whoa, <laughs> slow down, then we must take heed. And when he says, giddy up, then we need to get going. <laughs> because he is holding the reins. Jesus said in John 15 and 4, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. We must abide in him and he in us if we want to see fruit. Get saturated with who he is and with his word. We must stay attached to him, so close to him, because he is our life source. And what did Jesus say about himself in Matthew eleven twenty nine? He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And so our prayer should be, O oh Lord, Affect my person. Affect my personality, Lord, with your meekness and your lowliness. And he told us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's not like it's something hard or heavy to do. It's not too hard, too heavy. In fact, he said that it will give us, he will give us rest if we take on his yoke and his burden. We will have rest. Now, you wouldn't think taking on the Lord's yoke and his burden that that would, you know, give you rest. But truly, when you take on the Lord's yoke and his burden, it is light and it gives us rest. So away, away with all the strife and the contention and the yanging, when we do it his way, with meekness and lowliness of heart, we will find rest. The Lord is so smart, isn't he? <laughs> Another thing that meekness will affect in our lives is our outlook. Our outlook. Our outlook toward God, towards God and toward others. Meekness will affect how we see other people and it will determine two things. It will determine our attitudes toward them couple of blanks there in your handout, and it will determine our actions toward them. 
our attitude toward others and our actions toward others. Meekness will affect all of that. Meekness will cause us to see others in a positive light and work for their benefit instead of merely our own. Now that is a concept, isn't it? That's quite a concept. That does not come naturally to us. And I've got scripture that will back up that concept. Philippians 2, 3 and 4 says, Let nothing be done through strife, which is basically just selfish contending, or vainglory, which is trying to impress others, a little bit of conceit going on there. But instead, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things or his own interests, but every man also on the things of others. Hmm, that scripture just, it's, yeah, it just gets me every time. It's like, Lord, your word digs deep. And when we see the ones that are sitting beside us here in church tonight, and, we, and when we can um, look at them, and, and, you know, maybe other family members that are, that are here, friends, um, whoever, and even beyond this place tonight, when we can look at others and honestly and truly look at them and say, you are better than I am. You're better than me. That is biblical. That is the word of the Lord telling us that that is the correct thing to do. When I esteem others more highly than myself, and that'll take some constant work. That would probably be an ongoing project for all of us. That takes some reining in of the flesh and that carnal nature. That takes some meeking, I think. Some meeking when the Lord just reins us in. But that is meekness in action. We will esteem others more highly than ourselves, and we will become a little more understanding of others as well, especially of their weaknesses and limitations. Paul writes to us in Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 2, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. That wor word for forbearing just kind of really stood out to me, and I just kind of, you know, had to stop and check it out. From a regular dictionary, it means to hold oneself back with an effort when subject to annoyance or provocation. And the Bible dictionary defines it very similarly, to hold oneself back rather than to go forward as the flesh wants to. Mm. Holding back my attitude and my actions when I would like to maybe not. <laughs> Saying no, even when I'm annoyed or provoked. No, I'm not going to think that towards them. I'm not going to do that against them. Forbearing one another in love. 
Stop me, Lord. Hold me back. Reign me in with your meekness, Lord, your meekness. The fact of the matter is that we all have weaknesses and limitations. And someone will need to show meekness and be long-suffering and forbearing with you and with me. And so we must do the same for others. Lord, let meekness shine through. Amen. The word of God digs deep, doesn't it? <laughs> so there we have it. Me meekness will affect our attitudes and our actions toward others. Meekness will also affect our words. Oh, the power of our words. This is a big one. <laughs> words can either be devastatingly destructive or enormously encouraging. Kind of a big gap there, a big difference. Proverbs 15 and 4 says, Gentle words, the King James says, a wholesome tongue, they bring life and health. Can you imagine our gentle words, our wholesome words, can bring life and health to others? Just by doing that? Wow. But in contrast, a deceitful or a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Our words, the power of the tongue. James really emphasizes how unbelievably powerful the tongue is. In, chapters three, verses, in chapter 3, verses 6 to 8, the New King James Version reads like this. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. When I read that, I think, oh, Lord, this is a dire situation. <laughs> These little monsters inside of our mouths sure need an injection, an infusion of the meekness of the Lord. Amen? <laughs> Help us, Lord. I had briefly mentioned this little part in my notes to Emily my daughter, the other day, and she reminded me that it was Anne of Green Gables that said, I know I chatter on far too much, but if you only knew how many things I want to say and don't. <laughs> Anybody recall that? And isn't that us sometimes? Sometimes we just want to say a whole lot. And sometimes we really want to say a whole lot things that we think people need to hear from us. But thank you, Lord, for the help of meekness. Mm -hmm. Isn't it true that if we're not careful, in a split second, we can have words spewing out of our mouths that just a few seconds later will be like, why? Why did I ever let my tongue utter those words? Or even sometimes it can be the way 
that we say things. You know, when it has that edge, like I mentioned earlier, that it ought not to have. So my prayer is, Lord, meek our tongues. Meek our tongues, Lord. Horse riders and cowboys will tell you that to control a horse, we put a bridle over its head and a bit in its mouth. The bit rests on the tongue of the horse. If we control its tongue, they say, we control its whole body. That is just amazing. And it's also amazing that James said that very same thing in chapter 3, verse 3 in his writing. He said, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body by controlling that tongue. Those last four words were my words. <laughs> by controlling the tongue. When the tongue is controlled, then you're well on your way. I'd like to say you're off to the races <laughs> when your tongue is controlled. But it all starts with the tongue and letting the Lord control our speech, our words, our tongue. Psalms 39 and 1 says, I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle. And yeah, that's really in the Bible. <laughs> I will keep my mouth with a bridle. Ephesians 4, 29 says, and I couldn't let this scripture not be in my notes tonight. It says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, building up, and helping, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Words that are edifying, words that give grace. Did you know that you can even address a negative situation with good words? Yeah. You can have a controversial conversation with someone and still have good words. Yeah. Meekness will affect our words. It will rain our words. Okay. A couple more left here. I'm just moving on. Meekness in our lives will also affect our expectations. Our expectations. When someone disappoints you or someone offends you, because you know it's just going to happen. It's going to happen. When that happens, are you gentle or are you judgmental? Are you meek or are you miffed? Colossians 3, 12 and 13 says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, there's that word again, and forgiving one another, 
If any man have any quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. You know, my motto is, and I will tell you, I don't always live up to it, but I try to remember this little thing, just to expect to be disappointed. Just expect it, because it's going to happen. Just forgive people before they even mess up, before they even flub up, before they offend you, before they disappoint you. Just forgive them, because it's just going to happen. You know, when we have expectations of people that are way up here, way too high, we're just going to keep on getting offended and being disappointed over and over and over. But if you just lower those expectations, hey, then you'll be ahead of the game. It's just, you know, you won't be offended as much when you lower your expectations. Simple as that. And the truth of the matter is that there will be times when you and I will disappoint people and offend people, maybe not even meaning to. And we will want to have their grace and their forgiveness. So if we want people to give us some grace, then we must also do it for others. Amen? (laughs) So just bring those expectations way down. And with meekness, forgive them before they even disappoint you. And lastly, meekness will help us with our responses. Our responses. Meekness will help us to respond properly to life's situations. When we look at the word responsible, it's like two words. We could say it this way. Response, able. Response, able. If you are meek, if you have meekness in your life, the fruit of the Spirit growing in your life, you will be able to control your responses in life. Life is a series of responses to different things. And of course, the two most important things are how we respond to others and how we respond to God and his word. And concerning others, it's so easy to respond to others in a loving way when someone is loving to us, right? But the challenge is when it's the opposite and someone is harsh or unkind or maybe, maybe even a little bit nasty. And then, of course, we want to respond with the same thing back to them, right, that they gave to us. But meekness says no. We can choose. We are response-able. We are able to respond with meekness. And yes, I know it's much easier said than done, but we are able to respond the way we should with his help. And how are we to respond to God and his word? Well, James 1.21 says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. I love that little phrase. Superfluity of naughtiness. It just basically means an overflow of wickedness. Just lay that all aside. Get rid of your sin and receive with meekness the engrafted 
for the implanted word which is able to save your souls. We receive God and his word with meekness. Responding properly to the word of God is so important. So important. Our prayer should be, Lord, teach me. Instruct me. Show me through your word. Because I know that it's this word, your word, that is going to save my soul. And so how we respond to the word of God is so important. Every day, responding to the word of God with meekness. And I'm just going to invite you to stand with me tonight. It's 8 o'clock, but we're just going to take a few minutes to respond to the word of God with meekness tonight. Think that's a good idea? <laughs> but before we do, I just wanted to add a little something. Um, you know, there were so many scriptures in the, in, in the, in the Bible that I, I didn't even get to include tonight about meekness. Scriptures that are just so beautiful and come with so many promises and blessings for the meek. For the meek. And so I just kind of lumped them all together in one long sentence. So I'll just be a second here reading them. The Lord said he will lift up the meek, and the meek shall have joy. The meek will eat and be satisfied, and the Lord will reprove with equity for the meek. And the meek will inherit the land and delight in peace. And the Lord will guide and teach the meek and beautify the meek with salvation. Beautiful, beautiful blessings that come when we put on meekness and adorn ourselves with meekness and allow this beautiful fruit of the Spirit, meekness, to grow in our lives. Obeying the word of God always comes with so many blessings. So we're just going to pray. You know, I always think it's so important when we hear the word of God, whether it's 10 minutes or an hour and 10 minutes, so good to respond to what we have heard, to respond to the word of God with meekness, like we've been saying. So important. And so we're just going to, you know, I don't want you to listen to me praying. I want all of us to just lift our voices tonight and respond to his word and ask God to really let the word of God just saturate in our hearts and souls and pour into us tonight. Jesus, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be in your house, to, to break the word of life, break forth the word of life. And God, you have been so kind to us and so good to us to let us come to this place with freedom and liberty to hear the word of God, to sing praises to you, Lord. We are a blessed people, and we thank you so much, God. Jesus, your word digs deep. Sometimes it cuts and convicts, and Lord, we just want to respond to that conviction, oh God, with, with meekness and with a heart that says, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I receive your word, God. I want you to work in me and change me and rearrange me, God. 
I need your word, Lord, to do its work in my heart, in my soul, in my mind, in my body. Jesus, we invite you to help us. We invite you to help us, Jesus. We are nothing without you. God, you're our source of strength. You're our source of life, God. We just ask you, Lord, to do the work that you desire to do in us. And in our everyday lives, God, that we will exhibit these fruit of the Spirit, God. That we will exhibit, as we've talked about tonight, meekness, Lord, and preferring our brother before us, preferring others before us, esteeming others before, more highly than ourselves. Jesus, your word is powerful. It speaks deeply to us. Jesus, we need you. And we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for your word tonight, Jesus. We love you. Let's just continue to pray and worship the Lord tonight. We don't want the Lord to think that we're in any big hurry. Let's just have a little time of calling out to him tonight as I turn this back to Pastor Jack.